Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Good morning from Coolidge, Arizona. We welcome you to the broadcast uh, on May the 15th, 2022, and this is episode 11 on uh, our study, continuing study on should we question the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, we are running late today, believe it or not. The roads were blocked off all around the church. <laughs> we're doing road work. So we had to kind of walk in the last leg of it. Um, But we are glad to still be here. And we are here a little bit late, but hopefully we'll uh, we'll make up for it in in material for you today. We're going to look at the, start with uh, this as far as the scripture goes. 1 Corinthians 11, 18 and 19. And the reason I want to read this is because uh, I keep having the feeling I wish I didn't have to talk about a subject such as this. Unfortunately, um, it's become quite an issue, and it all and it has been for many, many years. Uh, just because I wasn't dealing with it very well myself doesn't mean that it shouldn't have been dealt with. So that's why I'm offering as, of course, should we question these things? Well, I think we should. 
and um, nearly everyone agrees on that. But when the Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Corinth, he had a situation uh, reported back to him about certain things happening in the church that uh, he needed to deal with. So <clears throat> let me, uh, and this is kind of about halfway through his letter here, the first letter, verse 18. Remember, this is uh, chapter 11, verse 18 and 19. And the apostle says, For first when you come together in the assembly, I hear there, are, there exist divisions among you, and I partly give credit to it. For there must also be sects among you, that is, uh, different ideas, that the approved may become manifest among you. Now let me read that last verse again. For there must also be sects among you, in other words, difference of opinions, that the approved may become manifest among you. Now the goal of this class is not to just be approved. Uh, the only way we can be approved when we're talking about things within the assembly with each other that have a difference of opinion is that someone is speaking the, the truth of Scripture on one side and maybe the others have a different idea or a different reason for departing from it. But this is how resolution happens. This is how division uh, is put aside, but it does exist. It's always existed, but this is our task to deal with, and that's why I really don't feel bad about dealing with this subject because it's important to not just the concept uh, being man-made, but it, it reaches out and touches almost everything else within Christianity. There's where the problem lies. But most of these things always do. So we are glad that you're with us today. And we're not here to, to just be right or to somehow uh, be elevated. No, no. Uh, we're trying to elevate the Word of God in this class. And in this particular class from this place, that's, all, that's really all we've ever done uh, through the years. So... We do welcome you to this broadcast. Um, now, I was, I've been studying. I'm trying to find somebody that really has some strong scriptures uh, promoting the Trinitarian gospel, the Trinitarian doctrine, rather. Um, and I ran across another one. Uh, and they started with um, uh, the first passage of Isaiah 45.5. And, you know, it's, it's incredible that in, in all of these scriptures, I see, I see the truth of it coming out but, uh, of the oneness of God. But uh, here in Isaiah, the prophet speaking, uh, speaking the very words of God as God speaks through him 
to the covenant people of Israel in that day. Remember, Isaiah was um, 600 years before the birth of Christ. All right? There was a lot of living to do within that first covenant yet, almost 700 years. But it says in this verse, I am Jehovah, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I gird thee that thou hast not known me. So, you see, there's always been a problem with this. This hasn't, not, uh, not knowing God. They knew of God, but did they know God? That was the point. Uh, and when you're in the condition where you're not really thinking about God, you're not really thinking about your, your, your creator, uh, even as a Christian, if, you're not, if your mind is not thinking on the things above in the, in the kingdom of God, then things fade. Your faith wanes and things fade from your, your uh, memory and understanding. That's why these things are written. As a matter of fact, all of these chapters here around in Isaiah, chapters uh, especially 45, 46, 47, it goes clear through around 49 where God is trying to instill to the Jewish people once again who he is and what he is in their lives. People forget, and people have certainly forgotten today. So here's the idea. God says there is none other, none else but him. But this is a passage given within the writing of someone who believes that God is three persons. Can you uh, make much of that? And they, they have some other scriptures here that we can talk about, and we're going to look at them. Matthew 28, 19. We've looked at this before, but we can say more about it now. Matthew 28, 19. I was reading a long section concerning this, and there's some out there that feel that this uh, was not even in the original letter uh, or gospel account of Matthew. Well, I don't know that that's so. Um, I hate to, I don't want to throw verses out of the Bible just because uh, they say something that I need to understand or don't want to understand or don't want to hear. Uh, I'm, I have no problem with this verse. But if we're reading it in our English Bibles or our French Bibles or our German Bibles and, and other Bibles um, that really don't make any, any uh, declaration to the grammar and, and the original Greek as far as how to understand the words, then, then you're going to have some trouble with this verse. And the Trinitarians hold to this as three persons. I don't know that this verse says anything about equality or anything. Uh, all lists such as this um, always start with the Father and the Son. And most don't go any further than just the two. But here we have the Holy Spirit. Now, what, what's unusual about this? Um, does that mean three persons? Well, the Spirit given here, and of the spirit, and and 
of the Holy Spirit, as our English Bible renders. Uh, the word spirit here is neuter, which is, uh, which is not such as the father and son that are both masculine. Now, that's an issue. That's a difference. And there's a difference and there's a reason for it, of course. The spirit is neuter, no gender, right? Singular, it's a noun. Now, friends, what is a noun in any language? Person, place, or thing, Alex said. We all know that. But, you know, when we want to say thing instead of spirit, we got a problem. But, you see, the grammar dictates that we should in reference to it because of the neuter issue of it. And not particularly in this verse because this verse is a definition of the spirit being of God, from God. Because this whole thing is in the genitive, uh, in a genitive arrangement, meaning belonging to God. You understand that the Son belongs to God, and so does the Spirit. That's the teaching of the Bible. We're going to get into that a little more when we look at John 1.1 this morning. So this is not a verse that we can say we have three equal persons in a so-called trinity. Not, not with this, this situation that we have. So, um, now that's, that's the root of the problem, friends. Are we looking at this verse according to the original language, or are we just reading it out of our 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 Bibles in whatever translation we have. There, there's where the, the trouble trouble is. So, you know, I can read this verse in English, and, and I know, and I'm not offended by what it says. I understand it. There's no offense. It's the truth. We keep forgetting that God is spirit. That God is the all in all. He is the all in all. Every all that is spirit is God. All that is the Son is God. They are one in that way. And uh, of course, uh, we're, as we're going to look into it here, especially in John one one. Um, We'll, uh, we'll go on. Now, the next one we studied last week, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13 and 14, which is the last, the last uh, verse in that letter. I'll read it to you again. And it says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, uh, as we spoke last week, of course, uh, here we have the exact same situation going on as far as the grammar with the, uh, the masculine uh, father and son and the word communion, fellowship uh, uh, of 
the Holy Ghost uh, being, of course, neuter, all being gender uh, uh, genitive, of course, in this way too, because what's changed? These things are of God. And we we, still, we went over this quite a bit. I don't know what more we can say about it. It's it's very similar in re, in reality to Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Now here's the thing that's interesting. They will uh, the Trinitarians will say, well look, we have the greeting, we have a uh, a benediction, if you will, in the letter from all three in heaven. Well, we, we know that's, that's not so because if that's the case, when we go to nearly every other letter in the, um, in the epistles, we find just the opposite. And I think that's, uh, that's incredible. Matter of fact, we can go to the next letter that we find in our Bible in Galatians. And in the uh, opening of that letter, Paul announces himself as the apostle. That is an apostle of Jesus Christ, not because of men, but because of Jesus Christ himself and the Father in heaven who raised Jesus from the dead. And he, and he says this in verse 3, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Is someone missing in the Trinitarian formula? See, it's not the end of the sentence. There's just a comma there. Remember, these numbers are put in by, by men, not, not, not the letter writer. David had a, had a point to make. He just sent me a message in, yes. in, in uh, Matthew uh, where he calls out the word name. Which is what which is what the disciples were told to baptize the people into. The name is name is singular. Yes, they do all share the same. They're not they're not all the same. Uh, you know, person. You, that's the problem. There you can't you can't tell me that they're all the same person, but they do no. carry the same name. They they are they are they all function together for the same purpose. Yes. And I think that's a good point. Name is being the being singular and being the essence of, right? Total nomenclature. The nomenclature of of the we have another word in our Bible that's not really there like that. The word Godhead mm-hmm. is uh, is two words, and we put them together. But it, it's just speaking of the fullness of God, um, which it would include all of the things that we have here. But not just that. Everything else. We read that in Ephesians chapter 4, the first few verses. So that's, that's good. That's a great comment. Uh, thank you. Um, so as we continue on, uh, they, they, somehow the, these, are, these scriptures are uh, uh, just given as a reference to the three. But then there's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit given singular and some uh, verses that would go with them. And uh, let's go to Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. This is listed under the Father. We'll see if we can ascertain why. 
Philippians chapter 1, the first two verses. All right. Now the apostle writing to the church in Philippi, of course. Paul and Timothy, bondsmen of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the overseers and ministers, or mostly we, we think of those words as elders and deacons. The good uh, also are phrases that work with that. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't see there where uh, this scripture has anything new for us except for the the omission of the so-called third person uh, or the third God in the Trinity uh, formula. Um, we have simply the, the salutation here, uh, meaning or giving, of course, really uh, the power, the authority, if you will, for this letter to be written to the church through the Apostle, the Apostle Paul. And then it goes on, but um, what to say about that? Um, there is, of course, no greeting from the third person. So I don't see any, any real reference there to anything other than uh, the idea that the, the Father is given, of course, First, remember, the scripture teaches that the Son is the only begotten of God. So, obviously, the Father was before the Son. I, I can't give you a date on it or any time frames whatsoever. I can only go by what the words mean. And I believe it. I believe what it says. Uh and I don't need to go beyond that, nor does anyone else, really. The word begotten, there's been a lot of, a lot of talk about it. Does that mean uh, created, like Jesus was created as the angels were? I don't see that word there. So it's the only begotten, meaning a singular situation, the so, uh, oneness. All right, and we don't see any anything else being created uh, in, in that particular verse. So I think we should move on. <clears throat> Let, let's start again with John 1, 1. And I think we need to think about this a little bit more. We've talked about it a little bit before. But in beginning was the word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, verse 2, uh, let's look at that in the Greek and see if that pronoun is there. There's no he there. It's it's the, the same. 
Um, now, that's interesting. Um, now, is there a masculine on the, mm -hmm. in reference to the word? Okay. But if you look, if you look the word, um, if you look that word logos, you're going to find that uh, logos is, is really speech, speaking a word. And it's not the same as the uh, rem, rima. Uh, it's another another idea in this. But speech, in other words, the, the very word of God. You know, it takes us back to Genesis 1-3, doesn't it? Isn't that where we're at in this verse, in beginning? In beginning, yes. Genesis 1-3 is, is speaking about a word also. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And we find that all the way through the creation account. And God said, this is a word. He's speaking from, in the Bible, in the Old Testament especially, uh, it talks about God creating with a word. By his word. By his word. Um, and, and that goes on and on. In, in, in understanding, we're supposed to understand that if God speaks it or says it, it, it will be. And that's exactly what we find in uh, Genesis. And I think because of the phrase, the way it starts in John, in beginning, it takes us back there. Now, who was Jesus? Um, wasn't he the one that is called the Apostle of God in Hebrews? Yes, he was. He's the only Apostle of God. There are prophets of God, but Jesus was an Apostle of God. He was sent, he was face to face with God and sent to speak the very words of God. And Jesus defended everything he said and did with this, in, with this concept. That these words are the words of my Father. These are the words I have heard from my Father. These are the words he sent me to speak to you. These are the deeds that I am doing. Uh, and he has given me the, the uh, authority to do so. All of that. That, to me... You, we can't just take this verse, first verse in the Gospel of John and, and build a whole doctrine on it and by ignoring every other part of the Scriptures. The oracles of God are to be taken as a whole and the understanding. And then uh, actually verse 14 in that chapter too. John 1, 14. Now, I'm giving you my comments on this. There are many other comments and, and very well explained things concerning these verses, but you need to study it out and learn it uh, for yourself. Here it says, and the word became flesh. Now we have, we have some reference here, don't we, to the Lord. And dwelt among us. 
And we have contemplated his glory, a glory as of the only begotten with a father, full of grace and truth. All right. Can you can you separate Jesus from from the Father? Can you separate the word of God from his son? I don't see how. And then when when we deal with the spirit of of holiness, we see also the fact that this is also the essence of God himself. So it's there. It's all there. That's why we, we can't just say, well, I will not, I'll ignore anything that says Holy Spirit in the Bible. No, that would be absolutely wrong because it's trying to tell us what what's actually the truth of this matter. Uh, and, and we're not going to do such a thing as that. But these are very telling verses. And remember, now we have people on both sides of this issue taking these verses as we have been talking about and making them, trying to explain them in the way they understand it. But the only way that we can debate this subject is to use the rest of the scripture to help us. That's what we're trying to do. And of course, not only that, but the true meaning of the Greek words and the grammar. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9. This one, of course, is... uh, well known to most folks. It says this, for in him, and and the reference to him here is, is Christ himself, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, that's a tough one uh, for the, the Unitarians, isn't it? What is the Godhead? Well, I want to I want to start by defining uh, Jesus. I believe defines this whole concept um, before that that verse was ever written, and uh, we 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 see the the, the Godhead is Theos. Jesus, in, um, as recorded in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 22 through 24. Then we'll come back to this. Yeah, John um, 14, 22 through 24. All right. Now, this is during the the chapter where Jesus is talking to the apostles. They're asking lots of questions uh, before this, too, but we're breaking into the conversation. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that thou willest manifest thyself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone love me, He will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we 
will come to him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not does not keep my words, and the word which you heard is not mine, but that of the Father who has sent me. Well, we're covering a lot of care territory here in these verses. But I want you to notice about keeping uh, Jesus' answer to the apostles so that they would know. Um, let's go back to 23 again. Where he says this, If anyone love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we, now who's the we here? Jesus and the Father, the Father and the Son, we will come to him and make our abode with him. Now, there we have a very interesting situation. And we need to look at that word with and see if it's actually the word with in that verse. 23. Yeah, par. Okay. The we is first person. And, of course, that would be the Father and the Son in this case. It's plural, of course, because it's both. It's also future and middle. <laughs> All of these, middle voice. All these things explaining to us how this can be and, and, truly, and truly is. Now, this is something that uh, I would, you, you could speak for hours, you can make a lot of sermons on, on these, these passages, especially about the idea of uh, obeying the word. You see, when we obey, obey the words of Jesus, when we obey the words of the apostles of Christ, then we are obeying the very word of the Father. And that has a wonderful um, opportunity. It has a wonderful realization for us because they will make their abode with us. That's why we are, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is within the kingdom of God where the Father and Son live amongst those that are in them. And they are in us as we are in Christ, as we are in the truth. You can't separate these things. Now, that's what the Trinity is trying to do is separate these things. And when you start doing that, you destroy scriptures such as this. Now, this is a wonderful passage. Uh, and Jesus has defined, I think, the idea of the Godhead very well. Um, also in Ephesians 4, if we just look at these uh, oneness issues, starting with about verse 4, I think. 
All right, let's read it. There is one body and one spirit, as you have been also called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in us all. You know, if we could just grab hold of these things, this is apostolic teaching, friends. This is what the church, this is the foundation of the church uh, is all about, these great truths. But what have we tried to do? We've tried to split that body up into hundreds and thousands of different pieces of people that want to believe this and people that want to believe that. Uh, and somehow they feel they have the authority to do so. If something is is one and it's complete in itself, and to break it up it wouldn't be what it is, then why would you want to break it up? One body and one spirit. Just as our hope is one. We have one hope of salvation. And that is through the terms of pardon that Jesus has uh, uh, bought and paid for. That was the will of God. These are the great truths. We have one Lord, one Savior, you see. One faith. It's the faith. And one baptism. Not many. Only one. Only one immersion, immersion into the body of Christ. And then the last verse of one God and Father of all. Now, the trouble with the Trinitarians is they want to to claim the one God issue, but then they want to tell you that one is three. And I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd have got very far in elementary school with that sort of mathematics. I think I'd have got a red mark on that. We can't do that. We don't have to. Because Father, he is the Father of all, who is over all. When, I, when, when we say all, we need to understand something. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he is also over the Son. The Son is in subjection to the Father at this very moment. And through all, and in us all, just as we were we were told by Jesus in John 14. That is if we are true to the the word, the faith. Unfortunately, we're running short of time, but I'm going to touch on uh, the, the next one. The Holy Spirit, I don't think we'll be able to do it all, but in Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, verses 3 and 4. Of course, this is uh, the account of Peter and Ananias. Remember that Ananias and his wife lied? Okay. Well, Peter knew it because the, the Spirit told him so. He wouldn't have known if Ananias lied or not in the instant that he was talking to him. 
He took him at his word. But after, but when the Spirit told Peter, he said this to Ananias, Why has Satan filled thy heart that thou shouldest lie to the Holy Spirit and put aside for thyself a part of the price of the estate? While it remained, did it not remain to thee? And sold was it not in thine own power? Why is it that thou hast proposed this thing in thine heart that thou hast not lied to men but to God. Now this interesting passage and I can see how Trinitarians could take it one way but the grammar and, and the scriptures won't allow it because this tells us clearly that that the spirit of holiness is God. He lied to God, not to men. And I, I think in the, uh, if we look at it, and as I did, I looked at it and looked at it in the, the Greek and the grammar. Um, but you see how this is so difficult in our Bibles. Um, what was the penalty for this? We see this was just the kind of thing that could not continue on in the church. That Christians would would recount something to another Christian, uh, in this case the apostles. Ananias and, and his wife did a wonderful thing. They sold a piece of property and and, and gave them gave money to the to the assembly to support the rest of the people. They didn't have anything. Many people were were completely ostracized, had no no work, nothing to eat, no place to live, and all of this was taken care of by by the uh, the, the Christians and by the will of God. So, unfortunately, they made it sound as if the price that they turned over to the apostles was the entire price because they were trying to elevate themselves, apparently, in the mind of the apostles, but they they had quite a situation on their hands, didn't they? Yeah, the, 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 purpose, the purpose was set in their hearts individually, and they both expired because of it. That's right. They proposed to do this. It wasn't the dollar amount. It wasn't the percentage that was given. It was what was what they how they really felt towards God. And as James teaches in his uh, epistle, the first chapter, the seed of this in our heart is what Satan would use in that day to fulfill the task of the lie. Remember, liars, there's no place for liars in heaven. God's pretty clear on that. These things are very, very important, and they're all part of of this understanding. Thank goodness that uh, we we can remedy a lie by telling the truth. All right. Uh, Unfortunately for them, the lie was uh, something that they dealt with. I think we'll probably move on to our next uh, section uh, after... Just a little conversation and re and uh, recourse back onto it. Um, 
about how does the current current teaching of the Trinity impact the assemblies of Christ? Um, because that that does have an effect that we're going to talk about, and the reason why we should uh, be able to stand on on solid ground on this and and not waver. But we need to understand the other side. We can't make an argument or help anyone out of this unless we understand uh, their understanding, their, their thinking, and, and know the truth of Scripture and reveal it to them or let them find it. So we are out of time today. We, we pray that we will be on time next Lord's Day. I don't think the roads will be closed that long. Let's hope. So until we meet again, we pray that you will be busy about your tasks the Lord has given you and the purpose that God has set for his, his faithful ones. We pray all these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.